The Annex Wealth Management Show on 92.5 Fox News is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation. Annex Wealth Management is a proud member of the Barron's Top Advisor List and the Financial Times Top 300. Know the difference. It's Team Tech Trust. Morning, Southwest Florida. Here we go. Annex Wealth Management Show on the air. Sunday, February 28th on the way. What do Aretha Franklin, Prince, and Larry King have in common? Besides being the queen of soul, a prince, and a king, they died without an estate plan. What a mess. We're going to talk about that. we going to have Ask Annex, and then we're going to check in with Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples. I'm Danny Clayton saying good morning. Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. Good morning, Danny. Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Good to see you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, what a great week of weather. Uh, Derek and I had an opportunity to play the club at Pelican Bay. We had fun playing this week, and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Unfortunately, you were on the losing end of that partnership. But well, it's mainly due to Brian. Who's there's no be question about later. that. There's no question about that. I was just riding along, but so much to cover today. Uh, we you know we closed down uh, 469 points on Friday, uh, but you know there's a lot that's going on. And part of the big story has been Treasury yields going up. So I want to explain, or actually ask you to explain that before we go any further. Well, we had talked about this a couple of weeks ago, actually, that the 10 year Treasury was starting to emerge from a, a base. It, it bottomed out around 60 basis points, was up to about 1.2%. And this week, the 10 year Treasury yield got as high as 1.6%. And one of the most bullish forecasts or bullish reasons many people had for the stock market was that was is that with interest rates so low, the competition from fixed income just wasn't that great. Uh, so that led people to pile into risk assets like equities, like dividend-paying stocks, commodities, and the rest. And with the backup in rates, what you're seeing is people start to reorient and reallocate their portfolios. Now, there's you know there's a difference between a good increase in rates and a bad increase in rates. In my view, what we're seeing now is an increase in rates because we all know that the vaccines are getting more and more widely distributed. People are starting to go out. I mean, we certainly witnessed that in Naples. People are out at restaurants and bars and whatnot. Of course, they were wearing masks for the most part, but the economy is going to get stronger and you can't justify a 1.1% treasury yield when we're looking at 6% GDP forecast for 2021. So let's talk about that for a second. And the market certainly is reacting to that. And as rates head north, in other words, higher, and by the way, there are people are saying that they're still going to go higher from where they are. Let's assume that it gets up to 2% of 10-year treasury. Does that really derail the equities markets because we have a 2% tenure. I think that's hard. it's hard for me to understand that. It's hard for me to be convinced of that. But higher rates certainly will take assets from the equity markets. But still, if you look in the longer term, the fundamentals of these companies, as you said, vaccines are starting to happen. The idea of reopen trade continuing to happen, money still is going to go to equities. Oh, it is. I just think it's going to go to different places. I mean, one of the things that drove the returns in the S&P last year were the tech stocks, many of them large cap growth stocks uh, that have long extended periods of superior growth ahead of them that with a low interest rate are more valuable than they are when you have growth being less scarce. In other words, growth in, say, hospitality, growth in energy, growth in fixed in financials and the rest. So essentially, the index itself 
was created. It's market cap weighted. And the big holdings are the ones that are going to face headwinds. So the S&P 500 may struggle, but the S&P equally weighted index may actually do quite well. And so you think about not only that, but the other reason why rates could be going up is because we've already seen 3.3 trillion with a T dollars of stimulus and another 1.9 trillion dollars of stimulus behind that and because of all of that debt the bond market may be pushing up rates to say that we need to get paid more for that risk. Derek Felsky, our chief investment officer, Dave Spano, president CEO Annex Wealth Management. We got them for uh, the rest of this half hour. If we can help, our website annexwealth.com, you head there, you click the get started button, know the difference. We talk about it a lot. It's one team, one plan, one fee. We think the most important thing, we are a fee-only fiduciary. If your advisor says they're a fiduciary, get it in writing. The website, AnnexWealth.com. We'll be back. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. Cut through the clutter with Axiom, the weekly newsletter from Annex Wealth Management. Subscribe today for seven insights built and delivered to you every Sunday. It'll help you navigate the markets and the things that affect your money. The Axiom. Sign up at AnnexWealth.com. Team, tech, trust, and a fee-only fiduciary model that works in your best interest. Can your advisors say that? This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. There is no shortage of stories about celebrities who die without proper wills and estate plans. Just because somebody's got fame and fortune doesn't mean they avoid making the same kind of mistakes everybody else can make. Jill Martin is a estate planning attorney at Annex Wealth Management. Back to talk about this. Hey, Jill. Hi, Danny. We talk about this stuff all the time, and I wish we had a whole hour, and we wouldn't even come close to all of the celebrity mistakes. Let's concentrate on a few. Absolutely. Sounds right, good. Let's start with the Queen of Soul, a Aretha Franklin. So she died. Her estate was estimated to be in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Didn't look like she had a will. So her sons approved a cousin to act as the executor. But then three handwritten, almost illegible documents were found. One you said was in a couch cushion? It was. So problem solved. You got a will. Well, you would think, but no, not as easy as that goes, right? So the problem was is did they satisfy all the legal requirements to be a will? Were they executed properly? You need witnesses whenever you write a last will and testament. So it gets to be really messy. And so now they had all of these issues of, are these valid? Which one is the most recent? And what do we follow and what do we do? And she had four sons. One of those sons had diminished mental capacity. And within one of those documents was just a handwritten instruction to, quote, take care of him. That's not enough. That's generally not going to be enough, right? What does that mean? Does that mean give him money? Does that mean hold money for his benefit? And then how do you use that money for his benefit? Too generic. Plus, she had about $8 million in unpaid taxes. So somebody's got to figure out how that's getting paid. Right. Her poor CPA is probably cringing. Unfortunately, celebrities have a lot of issues that surround them. And if you don't surround yourself with good advisors and good people to support that, their issues are going to be magnified. Let's go on to Prince. Prince died with no will, but a massive estate, like hundreds of million dollars, uh, not officially valued. Dozens of claimants surfaced. He's got six siblings. Last thing I saw was so far like $45 million had been spent just on administration, $10 million in legal fees alone. Yes, because there was no will and he had an interesting family dynamic where there were lots of half brothers and half sisters and he had been married and divorced and right. Who are his heirs? 
that becomes an exercise of genealogy just to figure out who would be a rightful heir to take, which that took years of litigation to sort through in and of itself. You know, the other thing that's really big with his estate is, is obviously music royalties, use of a likeness. How do you value that? The executors for his estate came in and said, we think his whole estate all in is worth, you know, about 82, 83 million. The IRS, after the estate tax return was filed, said, "Mm, yeah, we think it's about double that. Write us another check for another $33 million in estate tax. So it becomes a really, really difficult thing to plan when you have no idea the valuation. Larry King recently died, married eight times, seven women. Sean King, the latest wife, but they were in divorce proceedings, but I guess it was stalled. She was the executor of his estate according to a 2015 will, but now there's a handwritten will that came up from 2019, and it only splits his assets between the five kids, so she's pushing back on that. Larry King Jr. says he's got priority over the latest wife, but the wife says a handwritten will violates two post-nuptial agreements. Right? You can't make this stuff up, can you? I mean, the other part of this is this handwritten will from 2017 was before two of his children had passed away. So now, in addition, he only has three surviving children. So what happens to those other two-fifths? It demonstrates that while best laid intentions to get something written down quickly to make sure your wishes are in place is it actually leads to more problems. Tony Shea is not a household name, but he founded Zappos. When he died, he was worth $840 million. And again, you saw this coming. No will. Resident of Nevada. And according to their interstate succession laws, his parents would inherit the entire estate. But there's no records. There's just instructions on sticky notes. He had real estate investments as various LLCs. And there's debt to pay. So his family's going to get nailed with this huge tax bill. Well, and again, it's not the family, right? So if we're projecting his estate to be in the $850 million range, take off the debts. The debts will get settled as part of that. But then whatever's left... 40% of that is going to go to the IRS as part of an estate tax payment before the family gets a dollar. You know, how much of that $840 million was liquid? You know, that becomes a really big question. Do you have to sell off a bunch of things? I think I've already seen that they're selling off some of his real estate investments and hotels that maybe he had in Nevada because they need cash. (laughs) So sometimes these documents can really ensnare somebody. Let's talk about Britney Spears. Now, she's still alive, right? But she is the subject of this documentary, and it sounds like everything has gone haywire with her. Yeah, so Britney's in a very different situation, but there are other celebrities that have found themselves in these situations, right? Casey Kasem, Mickey Rooney. What's happened is, is... As they age or they're in a vulnerable state, they need someone who they trust to take over to manage their affairs, their personal decisions, those types of things. And while that is generally someone they select initially, what can happen is is greed and money and power over those people that now have been put into that place can really snowball. And with Britney, you know, I think, you know, there's the documentary, there's all sorts of stuff. You can see the free Britney stuff online all over the place. It's a fabulous read, right? But what it is, is her dad and a corporate organization are conservators to manage all of her finances and to manage kind of her personal calendar and what she can and can't do. And dad has been petitioning all along to be the sole person in charge of her finances. That seems a little greedy, right? And is Britney at the point where she needs a conservator anymore? right? It becomes a whose pocket are we lining here? So it's not just about making sure that things are in good order, but it's making sure it's people that you trust implicitly that won't suddenly turn on you. 
at Annex Wealth Management, you don't have to be the queen of soul, the master of purple rain, a successful talk show host, or an internet pioneer. Put things in the proper place with the right kind of estate plan that's part of your larger financial plan. That's what we do. Jill Martin, estate planning attorney, Annex Wealth Management. I know this is going to happen again. We'll talk about this again. I'm sure we will. Thank you for your time. You're welcome. And this is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Planning and investment insight from a fee-only fiduciary, and we put that in writing. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. Time for Ask Annex. As always, got a question for us, our website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. we got a couple of them today. Uh, interesting stuff. This first one's from Eric. At what level should we start to worry about yields? No, well, the time to worry about them is, you know, if you want an absolute range of numbers, I'd say you start getting north of 175, uh, you'd be concerned. You get, so 1.75%. Right. And then uh, because now you're starting to chip away at the number of companies that have yields greater than a 10-year in terms of dividend yields. Uh, with that said, I just want to add dividend-paying stocks typically get beat up with higher yields like this, but dividend-paying stocks keep paying dividends and are good long-term holds. Yeah, and that's a really good point. So you're, what you're saying is if a stock is paying 1.75% in its dividend and a bond is paying 1.75% and you say, I don't want the fluctuation or the volatility of the equity, I'll buy the fixed income and then people move from stocks to bonds. We saw for years and years, Todd, that so much money over the last 10 years went to fixed income and not to equity. So if there ever is this great rotation out of bonds and into stocks, we still haven't seen it quite yet. Next up is from Rufus. Aren't policymakers concerned about inflation? And he's got three question marks, so I think he is. Yeah, it sounds like it. Remember, uh, inflation, it, what we're talking about now, is not what it was 30 years ago, 40 years ago, I should say, 1979, 1980. That's not what this is. We do want to see some type of inflation, and the Fed has explained what their target is. Which is 2%. They've made it clear that even if it overshoots, they're not going to have a problem with it. The problem's going to be when they decide they want to do something. So inflation is not really going to impact equity prices. It's going to be when the Fed says it's time to start raising rates. And that is really, that's a really good point because we've talked about what could upend the market. And one of the things that we've put on our list is a policy mistake. And one of the policy mistakes would be the Fed moving before the market thinks it should. Ask Annex, two-parter from Frank. Can we believe the economic data from China? If this is true, is it what we expect to see globally? Is China, did they get up off the mat? They were the first down, right? Yeah, they were the first down and they rebounded uh, quite nicely. But as far as the reliability of the data, it's always been suspect. They do report international financial statistics in UN publications and so forth. As far as company reports and, and earnings and so forth, that's always been suspect. I don't think, honestly, that a lot of money managers do have the confidence in the financial statements coming out of China just yet. 
Next is from Andy. Was the January retail sales increase a sugar high from stimulus? Yeah, it's definitely a, a sugar high, but uh, and it should continue as the, the economy reopens and the service sector comes back online. I think it continues strong. The interesting thing about that whole dynamic is retail sales would be strong in like 1999 because of the market booming, real estate booming, and people taking their wealth and spending it. And then you have negative savings rates. And that was always a red flag. Now you got retail sales booming. You've got the wealth effect, but you have massive savings rate. Just the, you know, it's totally opposite. So it's kind of a dysfunctional relationship. Then uh, let me just be... unpack that. There was so much there that really good stuff. But there's a global economic recovery. In fact, the Atlanta Fed, we often quote their GDP report. They raised their estimate. Listen to this to 9.5 percent GDP. Now I think they're going to have to restate that. But there is this global economic recovery happening. And you said something too, which is called the the wealth effect. And that means when people have more money, when their stocks are up, when their 401ks are up, they then go out and spend that. And we're seeing that in other places. And we're starting to see the reopen trade start to kick in again. Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News, joined by Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management in Naples. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Danny. Four misconceptions when it comes to managing money. Let's talk about them. And the first is all debt is bad. That is a misconception, isn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure most people know that. To be a misconception, um, if you drive down any street of any city, you'll see all these things around you that probably were built with construction loans and debt and things like that. And then on a personal level, you have to build up credit yourself. And in general, I think the mathematics on debt is the hurdle rate, the cost of debt to you is equal or less than what you might get out of it in long, you know, the long term if you're buying a home and the, the appreciation of a home or the and the joy or I guess enjoyment of having a home, being a homeowner. If you weigh those and the mathematic kind of works out, then then debt is good. And like I said, go down the street, you'll see a lot of things that were built with with good debt. If you, when when people get out of hand, that's when things can go wrong. But if you're having that chat with your teenage daughter, there's bad debt like high credit card interest rates, things like that. You're right. Most debt is not bad. It's kind of necessary. Absolutely. McKenna and my son Landon, their job is to always pay off their credit card debt every month if they use credit cards. But again, they have to build up credit. So that's one way to do it. Common money myths. Myth number two, renting is like throwing your money away. I don't know. When you buy a house, there's a lot of closing costs involved. I think it's like two to three or four or five percent of the, if there's a loan involved, you're going to be paying in closing costs. And then you have other things like homeowners association fees and property taxes and insurance, and you have to pay for all the repairs. I, again, I think you have to do a little bit of mathematics and maybe, I don't know if assume, but try to be in a position where you might be living in this home for a good amount of time where short-term living there may, you know, having to sell in two or three or four years, that may not be the better way to go. Renting for two or three or four years or even one or two years to see what's what your situation is. In my case, I have a child in high school, a child in college. They're going to be leaving the home soon. So for me to buy a new home now, I would have to take that into consideration versus if I'm thinking things may change, maybe renting a year or two would be the better way to go. Here with Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management Naples, talking about four money myths and some associated misconceptions. Myth number three, you spend less money in retirement. I think the the training and the statistics say people usually spend 80% or up to 100% of current um, expenses when they do retire. Thinking about myself and what I might be doing, I think I I probably would be traveling more, doing a little bit more than my current lifestyle. So I think I'd definitely be near the 100% range. So I would say definitely don't underestimate that. And again, if you can do your financial planning and and the way we do it is be conservative 
and make sure your plan works in a conservative way. Um, assume expenses maybe more than on the, or at least on the high range. That will benefit you in the long run as well. Myth number four is it's rude to talk about money. Now, I was raised in a household. They didn't talk much about money. We were definitely taught to save. My parents didn't really talk about the economics of living. Yeah, I think I was kind of similar in, in my household growing up. But in, I think in general, in anything, if you can openly talk about something, it relieves a lot of the, the worries that are in your head to have a comfortable conversation and get give and take from family members or friends or peers that you know you have some trust with. And talking about budgeting and saving tips, someone may give you an idea that you didn't think of, um, help you in your personal or business you know world, different tricks that you can share. Um, so there's yeah, there's a lot you can learn from each other. So if you can uh, open that talk up to be honest and not so taboo. I think that's a great idea. Addicts Wealth Management provides investment and retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning. As an elite full-service wealth management experience, we are a fee-only fiduciary. Website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Brian Fiore, Branch Director, Annex Wealth Management, Naples. Thanks for your time today. Thank you, Danny. Good to speak with you. Stand by. We're going to take a break. We will be back to wrap things up with Dave Spano and Derek Felsky on 92.5 Fox News. It starts with a call. With one call, you can start seeing your future more clearly. If your financial picture is cloudy because you're getting conflicting tax, investment, and estate planning advice, help is a call or a click away. Annex Wealth Management's team works to get your investment plan in line with your tax plan and your estate plan. Build confidence with one team working to create one comprehensive plan as a fee-only fiduciary. Annex Wealth Management. One team, one plan, one fee. AnnexWealth.com. Team. Tech. Trust. Straight talk from a fee-only fiduciary. It's time to know the difference. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're back Sunday, February 28th, the last day of February. How about that? I've got a son who has a, a leap day birthday, and I tell him every four years, if you can prove you got a birthday, we will celebrate. <laughs> gift. I'm Danny Clayton. Derek Felsky is here, and Dave Spano, President and CEO, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks, Danny. I want to go back to how we started the show. There's so much information, but you know, the, obviously we talked about the fact that the 10-year Treasury rate was rising, and that was kind of causing some gyrations in the stock market. But the other thing that's happening is earnings season has come to uh, near the end, and between now and the next earnings season, you usually get gyrations. And so we're going to watch that. But over the next three or four weeks is really going to be an opportunity to go through your portfolio and say, what should I own and why should I own it? But you look at all this stuff that's out there and you talk about interest-sensitive stocks, for example, that's something to pay attention to both on the downside and uh, opportunity side. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, the utility sector, as an example, has had a really rough go at the beginning of this year. Um, and a couple of names that we've long, long wanted to own are now back in into what are more attractively valued areas. Uh, we haven't bought any of those yet, but we are certainly looking at the utility sector uh, as one example. Uh, the other thing I would talk about, too, is the financials. You know, the financials benefit from a steepening yield curve, provided they're willing to loan money. And unfortunately, right now, corporate America is so flush with cash that loan demand continues to be fairly weak. But down the road, given the valuations and financials, it's not hard to see financials doing reasonably well, given their valuations. We saw a major broker dealer, uh, Goldman Sachs, break 
break out to new all-time highs just recently, Morgan Stanley as well. And these are stocks that kind of have done nothing since 08 and 09, while Facebook and Amazon and the rest got all of all the investor attention. But you'll remember uh, when rates started to go up and the Fed let them go up, there was a thing that was called a taper tantrum. Explain what that was. Well, that was essentially when the Fed started to talk about uh, going the opposite way, you know, eliminating quantitative easing for a period of time when the economy was recovering. That may very well occur this time, too, because, Dave, you and I remember we went to a, a Fed meeting with, with the head of the Chicago Fed, and, you know, a question was asked, how did you miss the housing bubble in 08 and 09? And they did. They flat out did. They're not they're humans, too. Uh, and in many ways, you could argue they're bankers and really have never managed portfolios and don't understand the way the markets work. So it's very possible the Fed could be missing this, too. But we said for a long time, we thought the Fed wants the economy to run hot to make sure the economy is fully recovered from the COVID precipice, if you will, and is back to a more normal setting. We saw an analyst uh, recently as well who talked about the Fed's credibility and what you're talking about was part of it in that the better indicator is not you or I or people listening to this show or even the Federal Reserve. It's the market. The market really tells you both the fixed income market and the equities market which direction we're going. Particularly the bond market. And one of the things that's kind of interesting is when you look back to pre-COVID. So on December 31st, 2019, the 10-year yield was 1.92. It's currently at the close on Friday around 1.4. Okay, so that yield has gone down. At the same time, the stock market, the S&P 500, has gone from 3,231 to 3,800, up significantly. Oil is above where it was. Copper is above where it was. Financial stocks are above where it was. And even German yields are above where they were. And so so that suggests for sure that we could see a rise in rates and that the fair market value is somewhere near where we were, which is 192 on the 10-year. All the reason more, if you are listening to this, this is certainly the time to take a deep look at your portfolio and make sure what you own and why you own it and how much you're paying for it. It is really, really important. And it all starts with a conversation on what is important to you. Head to our website. It's AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. That will start you on the process for the free portfolio analysis and a framework for a financial plan. Again, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Thanks for listening, folks. If we can help, reach out. This is the Annex Wealth Management Show, 92.5 Fox News. The Annex Wealth Management Show is hosted by Annex Wealth Management, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Important information about the qualifications and business practices of Annex is available at AnnexWealth.com. Different types of investments involve varying degrees of risk. Please consult with a qualified fiduciary advisor about your specific situation.